0: Right, ladies, will you um, thank you for working on this, these verses and the echoes that, that come to me as your voices help each other. And these two verses are rich with the presence of God and Jesus Christ. And um, so you, however, they are connected to a human being who is Simon Peter and so that's actually the story of the gospel that it's rich in, in um, the knowledge of God and and yet he let himself be known to mankind through, through Jesus Christ and uses people like Peter you can't hear is it better or is worse. What? Oh, Bruce going to turn me up. Okay. Okay. Second, Peter was written with two that's better, thanks. With two purposes. The first one is the true knowledge of God, of Christ and then Verse uh, chapter 2 starts, but false teachers, and you see the contrast? We have true knowledge, and then there's a turning point. And the warnings of chapters 2 and 3 are to expose the dangers of false teachers. So we savor the, the true knowledge, but we must be alert to the false teachers as well and um, so but right now we have pleasure joy uh, of this one verse and um, I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed doing my home, own homework <laughs> it just washed over my soul in a, in a difficult s- scenario or two and what' well, what a pleasure to just look at look God at God in the face through these words. And um, thank you, God, for, for words. We have just begun to see why, second paragraph on page seven, and you have your text available, please. We've just begun to see why Peter introduces his letter the way he does. It is not random. It is by design with forethought. As you study this verse, remember that you have received a faith as precious as Peter's of the same kind, that was accompanied by righteousness that had its source in God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember that grace and peace are made to increase and accumulate. I love that word, of multiply. Through a super knowledge of God, it takes work on our part. It does not happen automatically that we we live on the basis of this, but that's why we are here. So day one, read... 1, 1 to 4 again, we're introduced in verse 3 to the concept that life is affected by truth. Bond servants are not comfortable with disconnects between the master and his desires. Faith and righteousness, grace and peace and the the knowledge of God are linked to life. And I ask you to us, I did this brand new even though I taught this before, um, a challenge a challenge that you are currently involved in. How do these words affect that real life situation? And everyone in here will have a different answer, but I, I would hope that you give us some principles for these, these words that are that are packed with meaning for the way that we live life. And the first one is faith. By faith we face challenges, how? How does that make a difference in the way that we face difficulties. Faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We, we walk by faith and not by sight. Surely. Connecting, connecting God to our situation. Though you have not seen him, you love him. <laughs> so he, and he loves you. And it is here in these um, raw scenarios that that we we see him we know that by faith that he is with us Karen? remembering the prayer. very good looking forward to by faith to to heaven that it that this is not all there is and um by faith we believe that that there are better things um and then righteousness Oh, I had one more thing about faith, that I'll stick in here. Uh, faith tells us that intercession is powerful in these scenarios, in these difficulties, in these challenges. Can we see God? Oh, we, see this, we see the situations. We're bombarded with data that um, complicates things and we tend to go to somebody else, or we tend to go round and round and round in our own heads and get nowhere and intercession, by faith I know that I can go to the throne room immediately. I have immediate access to um, to far greater power than we can even imagine. Pam? And it's the object of the cause. That's right. The object of, of our faith is, and he's, He's so intensely named here in these two verses. So, okay, what about righteousness, Carrie? Suffering does not make it okay for me to sin. That challenge that you you identified does not then excuse you to live less than the standard of righteousness. In no matter how intense it is, and um, we need to remind each other. We need to re- that we are. We need that. Becky, did you? It's not by our righteousness. It's by his righteousness, not ours. Um, do we have a prayer sheet? Mm-hmm. I mean, has it been printed? No. No, I just was going to refer to it. That's fine. Okay, uh, what else did you have under righteousness? All right, even when I'm sinned against. That adds a different. Um, a different I mean, okay what about grace how does grace affect the way I am now in this situation right whether or not I, deserve it. that's right not that's right uh, we have grace whether we deserve it or, deserve it or not It is purely by your grace that I, as your child, even care about righteousness. (laughs) If I were not beginning at the cross then with with grace, that that fits into those scenarios. What else? Offers another chance. An opportunity to do the right thing. Yes. How... we we can pick back up. Um, Okay, what about peace? This this should have two components, I think. Um, What's the first powerful thing that affected our peace initially at the cross? (laughs) we have peace with God, that before we were warring with him, now we are in right relationship with God. And the other component of peace should be what? Peace with other people in those challenges, in those scenarios. God, I have been given all peace with knowing you and being in right relationship with you. May I reflect that to the people in this situation? May I live with? But I love peace. May I? um, May I live peace, Karen? i was thinking of a line from that hymn: um, "Every joy is that way that you know." Okay, so there's an inner peace as well that I. So there should be three components to it, shouldn't there? Okay, Karen. Good. Okay. Good. Great. Okay. If I'm lacking peace, then I'm lacking in in the full knowledge of God. And the connection is obviously in the text. And knowledge of God is next. And what is... Thank you. I thought I saw somebody. I thought I was missing something. Thank you very much. Um, I will give you a second to look over. Because if you do want to raise your hand with these truths and pray as they... Come to your mind? You cer- we certainly can do that. Um. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. All right. So let's let's. Uh, how does does the knowledge of God fit into that challenge, that tension that you are that you identified in the beginning of this this uh, assignment, this number one? How does the knowledge of God affect that right. gives us knowing him gives us confidence and and peace as we just said also gives us direction because we want to reflect him it gives us it it gives us something concrete <laughs> spiritually concrete to work on jody absolutely she's the it protects us, the knowledge of God protects us in, in being, in accepting false teaching in, in any way. So um, I, I divided it up into some of his, um, if, if he is omnipotent, and he is, then he is perfectly capable of untangling <laughs> this scenario. And the, it may have many, many knots. And, um, and, and com- compared to him, I am able only to plead and pray and it's not only <laughs> but that does communicate that I may not be able to fix all of these things but he is perfectly capable of doing this with or without me he may want me in the middle of it he may he want us want us to be involved um, and involved was the next thing I had that he is omnipresent in this scenario he is involved in the details of far more details than we have. So, um, okay. Did anybody else have anything? Under, I had some more, but Pam. It's it's the fire, the, the of it's good. No, not to, to back away from God's word and who he is, as he is revealed there. And, it, and under pressure, it is a tendency to, especially if we're rushed or feel pressured for, it's, there's a tendency to, to put that aside, and that's the worst response we could have. Okay, um, number three, and one, no, number two, is there a period in the English Bible after verse two? So what is the connection between verses two and three? It's one sentence, and what does the, the, the meaning, how does the meaning carry through? Between verses two and three. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh. Anyway, what's the what's the continuing the thought? Okay. Okay, good. And okay, number three. I mean, yes, number three. One in one three. The Greek word for divine is theos from the word theos, which is the name for God. Theos. Divine then means that which proceeds from himself. Write the definition in the margin when divine occurs in 1, 3, and 4. Consider them and what what is the connection between those two occurrences of the word divine? His divine power, then down in verse 4, it's the divine nature Um. What's the what is the connection between divine power and divine nature, Shirley? Okay, the the divine nature of God is created then in us. Pam, did you have you look like you had a question? <laughs> or it's right from himself. that's right, it's right from Himself. But the point here, of course, is partakers of the divine nature by his divine power we would never be capable of having divine of a divine nature without his divine power so i i um okay mark the two words and and write that write out the phrase his divine power is granted to us in words that express what you have learned from the words divine granted and power what are some of your answers on on that one on number four what are some of your own words that express this whole idea. Mine is way too complicated for, so somebody else is going to have to simplify it. I <laughs> want endowed, okay, good. Inherit- endowment indicates an in- inheritance, that's right, good. So it's it's already given, and you can put over that, that word, endowed, which verse is it in? Um, that's right. It, you receive an endowment be, because of your place in the family, not because we have earned that and we, have, we are placed in the family. And that when you see that word, just write the little s with a circle over it the sovereignty, the sovereignty of the sovereignty is all through this granted to us is twice and I put the sovereignty reminder there and um, so and, and it it pops up all, all over uh, I actually anybody else want I actually did a megaphone <laughs> that's what I told you and the the power of God is outside of that megaphone with with lines, of course, as, as it, it um, presents, our, our makes possible, uh, makes audible, so to speak, our calling, and then an arrow, and the knowledge of God, and then an arrow, and grace and peace multiplied, and as it, as it moves through that, of course, the, the megaphone grows in, in space, so it, it's all multiplied, but goes back to the power of Almighty God. He is the source of, of, of these things that have happened to us. And so at the end of my megaphone, I have lines again as if something's coming out of that megaphone. And what's coming out of that mi- megaphone? It's mighty power for overcoming mighty obstacles. We're given power by the, by the person of Jesus Christ, Almighty God. And he's called us. He's given us the knowledge of God. He's given us grace and peace. And it results in mighty power that started out with just a calling, and we didn't. We know, knew so little, and then we learned so much about this. And and things get wider and bigger and louder. And and what's the purpose of all of that? That our lives are changed. That there's power in. In the choices that we make, and we can overcome this nature that that works against us, knowing the knowing God. So, um, for what it's worth, that was that was my okay. Day two, number one, grace and peace. Then are increasing in my life in direct proportion to my knowledge of God. His grace gifts are provided by means of the power that belongs to God. In light of his infinite abilities, we dare not comfort ourselves with, God just made me this way. I can't help it. <laughs> According to one three, our resources are sufficient for what two things? Everything pertaining to life and godliness. So where does that leave us? <laughs> we have, what are the implications of this to your present challenges? What? What did you put there? Okay, we have all we need, so there should be no blame shifting. there should be have you ever have you ever said or heard he or she he makes me crazy no <laughs> we we allow ourselves to become crazy or frustrated or whatever that word crazy means. It's, it's not his or her fault, it's my, my lack of responding properly. So, blame shifting, no excuses. And um, abiding trust in God's provisions bring the, brings the peace of relationship with this, our Savior Jesus, the Great Creator. Okay, knowledge, number two, is a prominent theme in the book. This is the second use of the word in just three opening verses. Why do you think Peter is especially aware of the need for consciously and actively affirming knowledge, truth? Think back on dear Peter's life. Why why was he so convinced that this was a truth that, that... Believers through the ages would need would need to know what in his life, Becky. Right, right. I mean, he things. had been pressed to the limit by by persecutions and and horrendous things. Before that, what what was he like? Mm-hmm. No, wait, Shirley. You you well, have thought. He when he time. Right. He, had, he changed. This whole knowledge is about change. God's knowledge does not change. Our knowledge of him changes, and Peter needed to change. He was impetuous. He was wrong. He had been given, by the way, predictive knowledge by Jesus Christ in that scenario. He had been told that Peter is going to fail me. And and that still did not <laughs> it, it, it didn't seem to register because he just went on and did it so easily and um, he was given knowledge and he knew then as he learned that we need the knowledge that God gives to us and we need it desperately. And um surrounded by people that didn't know. He was surrounded by people that didn't know you mean in the right. That's right, and and we are surrounded by people who don't know, and we want to pray that knowledge for those those that don't know Him, and it should drive us to want to reflect in a proper way the the God whom we know. Okay, Pam. He's also a story. That's right. He is that, and I'm glad those chapters are there. I love this warmth of truth about God and uh, but we need those warnings and he, he knew that and, and so he was um, I did I did see this this quote it is said that Peter never heard a rooster crow without tears coming to his eyes in other words he, he knew what it was to fail Jesus Christ to betray Jesus Christ and so he knew that he needed knowledge in, in pursuing God the rest of his life and it expanded and it, and it multiplied and it blossomed and he, Je- Jesus told him he would strengthen his brothers and he is he is. Karen did you have a thought? So just that when he, when he oh, followed yeah. following. Great God. He followed a great has, God. You know, all the emphases, That's right. Especially in chapter one, that this has been given to us. That's right. We've been in doubt. This is common believer, but he doesn't. That's right. He, he does not. He calls himself the 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 bond servant. Okay. Number three. Scan the book and write out references and phrases that mention our thought processes. Mark them with a color. You will include consider and reminder and call to mind and. Before we even do that, um, what is the idea of these these words that are cited here? What is what is the dynamic of calling to mind or the Amy? What is it, what is it, what is it, ideas have, consequences? Ideas have mm-hmm. consequences, right. So that process of what we put into our thought processes will affect our behavior, world our world view, world view. right. World view. Good, okay, so that's the macro visual. There's a micro truth as well. How do we then take it into those small decisions that we make and how does thinking um, affect our decision making, how, I just told somebody this before this, how I was thinking wrongly, and I, and it went round and round, and it shook me, and, <laughs> and, okay, what do we do with considering, and, and thought processes, and reminding, and how does that work in the micro? And that didn't happen immediately <laughs> with me. It, it, I was taken by surprise, I couldn't—and and so we want to learn how to, to do this quickly as possible, and, um, and there, the delay is not necessarily sinful, it's just a matter of, of working through the thought processes to get to truth. As quickly as possible, I've done this for years, and a lot of you know this, <laughs> but it's, it works again. We have these um, these little magnets done, and and the the problem is that we put feeling on the top all too often. These even have these were to be put on. Did you do these, Pam? These are to put on our be put on our refrigerator so that we would recognize when we were. Uh, feeling, putting feeling at the top instead of thinking before doing. Sometimes we do before we even uh, even think, and then we've we've gotten it all out. But this should be no put our minds into gear, and and then do and then feel, and we we get it all out of whack. And so you can identify yourself at times with knowing that it's it's out of whack we forget yes yes oh yes and yes the Israelites are a case in point that's very good okay so let's get to some of these. Um, Remember that know and knowledge and knowing are used 14 times or 13 or whatever you got in three chapters. So we, knowing is a necessity. And then he builds on that by these words that, that, are, that are here cited in the question. What, what did, you, did you identify specifically from the text? Uh-huh. Well, the Okay, good, good I didn't get that one forgotten that's the same idea uh, verse nine we is negative having forgotten his purification, okay, what else did you see okay We must know in order to apply uh okay, good, what else uh, pay attention uh we <laughs> pay attention to me, Beth. Pay attention to me. Uh, I, Verse 12 says, I will always be ready to remind you of these things. And he's not apologizing for that. And we do need reminders. And what does remind mean? <laughs> we know that, but we've, we've pushed it aside. So we need to put it in our minds again. And... Uh, Verse 13 says, I consider it right to stir you up by way of reminder. So there are two there. I consider, Peter had thought this through. I think that this is through having considered it, not just a whim, that it is that I I need to remind you. And um, verse 15, after my departure you may be able to call to mind these things, and there are others, but the, the point is, is made with, we, we must continually consider our thought processes, which, it, which is a, a part, we, we speak of the heart, but the heart is, as is our thought processes, the way we think, the, the way that we, we love and the things that we value. Okay, number four. Life and godliness are hopeless pursuits unless we are changing our thought patterns. Destructive thoughts that drove us last year must not be repeated. They are, but they shouldn't be. Knowing that he has called us by his glory and excellence shows up in our choices. So the test question is obvious. Does this attitude or action show his glory and excellence? Don't you love that word, excellence? Uh, Is this attitude... Can this attitude be described as excellent? That that sells a lot of things. Does it fit under the category of glory and excellence? Excellence. Uh, am I doing what I, whatever it takes to protect myself, which is not excellent. <laughs> or to show his glory. The Christian life is an unending series of changes in thoughts, repenting of those that are unworthy of the resources provided. Now, our resources 1-4, in in verse 4, our resources are further explained by these, his glory and excellency, has given us promises. What two words describe these promises? Say it out loud precious and magnificent because those are two poignant words that he describes that he remember the that those are adjectives that describe that expand our our understanding of promises and uh, you remember that that word precious was used five times in first Peter so it was a he was a He was a a man of strength and opinion and uh, courage. But he uses this word precious as describing the things of God and um, his meaning, I think, is valued. These are valued things to him. Uh, How do these increase your confidence in what is to come? Now, I have to Insert this. This word, magnificent. Well, let me hear some of your your ideas, and then I'm, go, I'm going to st- stretch this word, magnificent. Well, how does how do these things increase your confidence in what is to come? That you have precious and magnificent promises. Okay, personal. Yes. Okay, and I'm glad you are speaking because you are a visual to us. You don't know what is in the future, immediate future for your family. I could have used somebody else, but she spoke. <laughs> I could use used me, me, all of us. But we stand on the promises that God has given to us that he will not forsake us, he all kinds of promises that are magnificent to us in trial, and we we want to straighten everything out and get some relief and get make sure everything's in the right place. But in the process, we have these magnificent promises that God, His presence is magnificent. It changes the way that we approach um, heartache. And um, Pam. The firm guarantee, we'll, we'll write that. Okay, I just, <laughs> I just enjoyed this word. So I'm gonna take the time to enjoy it with you. One of the definitions is used of only of former rulers like Suleiman the Magnificent was a title that was given to one who, he built the walls around Jerusalem in case you wanna know who Suleiman the Magnificent is. <laughs> Uh, but it's great indeed, exalted in place. So God is, what a minor way to describe God. Great indeed, uh, not, that, not one word indeed, in deeds. And, and he has an exalted place. So that's, a, that's one little insight into this, this whole magnificent word. And then I just looked up synonyms and listen to these words and let them let them just uh, stretch this word into worship of our magnificent God and the promises that he gives. Here the synonyms, extravagant, glorious, spectacular. Spectacular promises he gives to us. They are not minor. They are extravagant in their... In the grace that is given to us, they are promises that we don't deserve, so they are extravagant. Um, he's, they're glorious, they're a part of his glory, spectacular, majestic. They are His promises lead us to, to bowing before his majesty. That he would promise us anything, well, he doesn't owe us anything. <laughs> he does not owe us a promise. And he, his, okay, and superb, and awe-inspiring. This is just all in the English word. (laughs) Just, just enjoy the. And breathtaking was another one. His promises to us should be breathtaking. That he would give us that kind of stability in giving us his magnificent promises Um, should take our breath away. Karen look at what his promises cost cost to us cost him his his leaving the glories of heaven his become a man okay um, and this is the third time I've brought up Einstein, but this time i have I want us to be awed by what has happened in our world when unbelieving minds reflect God to us by this magnificent occurrence in our lifetimes that just barely made the papers. (laughs) It was announced, now that Susanna Gorgon did this for me, you know I didn't do this. (laughs) It was announced February 11th that, that last September we detected, that last September we detected direct gravitational waves for the first time ever. Einstein determined 100 years ago that space and time were interwoven into one entity called, quote, space-time, and is distorted by massive bodies like stars and planets before it gets to us. So these waves are, these, they, are they have ripple effect as in a pond when a, a pebble is dropped into a pond, a pond, uh, and he also said that we would never be able to detect these. Okay, fast forward. In Washington State and in, in Louisiana, there are two detectors that we have built that you probably did not know about. They are two and a half miles long. And they, they just sit there and receive and received the, the data that wavelengths are, are occur, occurring in, in their areas. Now remember, this is in their areas. They are receiving this data. On September 15th last year, a blip blip, was detected lasting only a quarter of a second in both locations, which meant that it came from space. It was not, it was not data that came to, to the, from the locations in which these were, were, uh, were are found. Uh, by studying the data the model that makes most sense is that 1.3 billion light years away don't get involved in that, it just says a long 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 time ago <laughs> and a long 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 way way, away two black holes one with mass 20 ta- 29 times the sun and the other 36 times the sun were orbiting one another giving off gravitational waves which causes massive energy the loss of energy results in the orbital shrinking until the two black holes merge into one. This one black hole was about 60 times the the, the size of the sun once it was combined. Was the bi- biggest cosmic crash that we have ever observed in the universe and we caught it in one quarter of a second blip on our detectors. Is he magnificent? Is this brand new to God? Is, has he seen these black holes has, did he make the black hole just let it stretch us to love him and, and he made us magnificent promises the God who orchestrated that blip so that we could now these are unbelievers <laughs> we have the majesty of God to appreciate what those unbelievers have done for us and God help. The ones who detected those blips, we don't know who they are. May they come to know the God who created them in the universe in the blips. <laughs> okay. If we took all that time on every word, we'd be here all day. But I couldn't help but enjoy this, um, that word. And so let's go then to... Um, Number five, is that what we're ready for? Number five. Um, these promises serve an important purpose in our Christian life. By them, what happens to us according to verse four? We, we, what happens? We, what should I? We escape corruption. Yes, we are. We are able to made able to be partakers of the divine nature. Okay, and um, partakers means we are sharers of His communicable attributes. The fact that believers have been made partakers of a divine nature brings us to the subject of God's communicable act those of his excellencies shares with us in some small degree uh, we just have a we have a blip of his excellencies because we're made in the image of God. We're given partial counterparts of his qualities. Now let's move down to there are moral implications of this truth. A the knowledge of God God fully knows himself and all things, and I got this, of course, I give credit to Wayne Grudem, I got much of this from him, and these definitions are from him. God fully knows himself and all things actual and possible in one simple and and eternal act. He is omniscient, we are only a minuscule shadow of his knowledge, but are nevertheless under obligation to act on this uh, truth about God. So, what Job 37:16, and this is one place that Elihu was right. What did he say about God? He is perfect in knowledge, and he, and this is in the context of suffering. And it's it's um, it's hard to put the knowledge of God in the middle of suffering. We want him. To, <laughs> If you know how terrible this is, why don't you do something? And so we we trust him. Well, Second Peter, therefore I am to grow in this knowledge of him, and that we do that by that spiritual muscle that it takes to to put him into suffering, to put him into pressures and and difficulties. Um, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. To him be the glory. Now and forever. Yes. Good. He deserves the glory that is rightfully his. And um, let me just read this. How many of you have have this book or have read this book, The Knowledge of the Holy, by Tozer? Raise your hand. Probably everybody in here is that's... <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> if you haven't, you do. You need it. <laughs> uh, but let me read just Tozer's description. I just... It's another stretching of the mind. God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter, every mind, all spirit, every being, all creatures, all pluralities, every law, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feeling, all desires, every unuttered secret, all thrones and dominions, all personalities. All things visible and invisible in heaven and earth, motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven, and hell. <laughs> mm, that's a mouthful. <laughs> God knows all things perfectly. He knows things instantly, effortlessly, and perfectly. He knows no thing better than any other thing. Um, we were just talking about Madeline and and physics and Dude, I know a thimbleful of physics, like Madeline is studying, and we know a little about this and a lot about this and a little about this, and some of us know a little about uh, a whole lot about nothing. <laughs> God knows everything there is to know about everything. He never discover- discovers anything. He is never surprised, never amazed. He never wonders about anything, nor except. And I started. A, okay. Except when drawing men out for their own good, does he seek information or ask questions? He doesn't need to ask questions. He does that for our good. He does that, he um, counsels men in the Bible by asking questions, and, and uh, it's not for his own knowledge. God is self-existent and self-contained and knows what no creature can ever know. He knows himself perfectly. We can never know him perfectly and he uh, he know the things of of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God as we are told only the infinite can know the infinite and uh, so I, I love those words that stretch us <laughs> uh, thank you aW Tozer now his knowledge is is face to face this this book came out in 1961 and I'm so, okay, and here's one more little enjoyment of this. His knowledge is more than theory. It is personal. It is warm. It is compassionate. He cares as no one else can. His knowledge is frightening to some extent, and yet it's comforting and... Um, personal as well. when you're misunderstood, he understands where you what your motives are and what you're okay. All right. What's the next one? Say it out loud because I'm getting my papers together. Wisdom? Okay. God's wisdom means that God always chooses the best goals and the best means to those goals. Okay. Um, this one is from Job as well and describes his wisdom. What What does it say? Okay. With him or and that's... Um, Job's reply to Zophar so he, he then uh, acknowledges that, that, that true might and wisdom belong to God um, Psalm 147 5 says this and I would write that down because when you hear it you're going to love it Psalm 147 verse 5 his understanding is infinite and the word infinite can have no modifiers it cannot be more infinite or very infinite. <laughs> His understanding is infinite. And before that infinitude, we just stand silent because we, we see him as um, we are incapable of fooling him or of misleading him. Okay, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you can just, um, in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and lean not on your own understanding. A- acknowledge Him is um, is that matter of, of uh, knowing Him. And the, wor- the the word in the middle of acknowledge is know. In all your ways, know Him. And um, okay, in what ways would you like to grow in wisdom? I, I wrote this down I'm not going to tell you what I said so let's move on to truthfulness <laughs> God's truthfulness means that he is the true God and that all his knowledge and words are both true and final the final standard of truth so how what verse did you, do we have there 1 John five twenty. 20 um, in order that we might know him who is true in his son Jesus Christ this is the true God and we are in him who is true so, so um, and Colossians 3 9 and 10 then gives us a command on the basis of that what is it it's very simple and forthright <laughs> do not lie to one another <laughs> um, how quickly these sh- shadowings of truth um, can can come to us uh, Okay, what's the next one? I'm shuffling papers. Go on and tell me the next one. Okay, he is his goodness. The goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good and that all God is and does is worthy of approval. All God is is worthy of approval. There is no higher standard of good than God's own excellencies. Um, and Psalm 31.19 says what? How, how abundant is your goodness? Um, Galatians 6.10 then tells us to... Okay, let's look at that a little bit. <laughs> God is abundant in his goodness. He's in the highest standard of all good. He... His glory is our good. So then how are we to reflect that in the way we treat people? And how many people are covered in this verse? All, okay. First it says all men, and then it says especially to believers. So the way we treat each other is, is especially significant to God. And it should be the, under the umbrella of the word good when we treat each other both unbelievers and believers does this behavior can this behavior be described as good such a simple word God is so good we learned it kindergarten it's a huge word How it drives us does it not but it, according to God's, the right thing to what is the goal it is for our good that he that it was for Israel's good that he did those horrific things he killed thousands of people <laughs> it was for the, the good of the nations to see his power and, and be brought to their to compare their idols and their their um their futility of life by seeing the God of this kind of power, who is doing things. As you say, we—I mean, the Old Testament is criticized for God is cri- the old the God of the Old Testament is criticized for him. Okay, so, but in all of these things, He is good. You know what that looks like? also, right. I think I think what I'm referring to would just be those things that we know for sure <laughs> that. If I am rude let's put it in in unbelievers, if I am rude to the checkout girl, that is not good. I'm I'm am i I'm talking about the things that are obvious. And you are right, that there are there are wisdom issues that must be considered that one person may think this is this is good behavior and, and another person wouldn't or this is a good course of action and and so we're uh, we do have many things that we know for sure are good. So it's up to us to, and I think the question still stands, Lord, help me to see if this is good. Help me to see if this is the best way to, to act in this situation and to take action. And so I'm, I'm glad you asked that because it doesn't, it's, it's not a simple thing. Unless God has spoken, and He says, "Be ye kind," and I was not kind to the checkout girl, so that one I know for sure. And um, and there are others that that are wisdom issues that are good, better, best. And so, um, yes, it is it is simple, but it's complex in in its applications as well. And we're back to needing His His help, Brooke. Say that again. Did you say perverted? Okay, give me that thought again. Oh, okay, okay. When the the word good has been perverted, if you yes, right. Well, and our our world perverts the word good because there are all kinds of of. Um, accusations against believers for instance that you know we're we're attempting to to live his goodness and um, it's twisted and so this gives us lots of lots of good thoughts doesn't it Um, all right we're done goodness and our next one is mercy god's goodness toward those in misery and distress believers should be the most merciful people in the world balancing this trait with God's wisdom and holiness, and what does Exodus thirty-four-six tell us? And by the way, this reminds us too. Well, let's read thir- Exodus thirty-four-six, or tell us, t- tell us what it. Okay. We're we're reading through the Bible in the Old Testament um, for our and. <laughs> We are inundated with, as Karen brought up, we're in, inundated with um, the massive violence, even of the sacrificial system. Thousands of animals are are killed. And, it, you know, it would never go with the, our current world where PETA is, protecting lives of animals and little bugs and little fish and over the lives of babies. (laughs) And so uh, all of this violence that God commanded and carried out does not contradict this this characteristic that is described in Exodus. He is, uh, this is in the context of a lot of violence. And yet, the Lord is compassionate and gracious to us, and all of those things were in the context of His, um, of His showing pity in action to those who were sinners and needed to know, to know Him. Um, okay, and of course, therefore, I am to do what in Matthew five seven. I am to show mercy. I am to help. I am to, we are to um, give, out the that we. give out that quality that we have received from him and, and work in action. I love, I love to see, this is a simple thing, but I love to see our food ministry thing come in. And so quickly the names pop in there to help and not all of us can cook and not all of us can get stuff to but it is, it is a sweet thing to see how quickly these those, the, the needs are, are met and, and graciously met and, but there are many many um, explanations of that or, it, ok the next one is peace God's peace means that God is God's being and in his actions he is separate from all confusion and disorder <sighs> Go ahead. Oh, certainly. Sure. Let's do. Give an example. Oh, I'm sorry. Give me. Tell me. A- okay. Good. Oh, I'm. I'm glad you. You. You went back to it. Um. Give an example of a way to teach a child to be merciful or patient. Carrie? Okay, very good. The, the power of example. Becky? Okay, and if a child comes in complaining about somebody else, what should we do to teach them mercy? <laughs> OK, and, 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 and perhaps to think, well, do you think that person was uh, has it if it's a child, you know, the, the mom and dad might even not even be in the same home or can you think of, of ways in which that, that child's life is different from yours? In other words, thinking about things from another's perspective because kids don't want to, they don't want to think about their own perspective. I think it's, there are many, many, many illustrations mm-hmm. of the way that you you stretch a child. You, I'll let you do it because you have children, and mine are gone. I, I know that, uh, yes. Okay. Good. So it's the older, bigger <laughs> thing that can that the the more powerful one needs to learn mercy, so they restrain themselves and don't use their their power and. There are many, many illustrations of this, and um, that's why this homework is ongoing. It really is. Laura, Laura, and then Debbie. Use an example of in the home, contrary to what the child is exhibiting, pointing out. Yeah. So there's a concrete example of. The, the mercy that is being demonstrated. Okay, hey, Debbie, you can teach this next. Very <laughs> good point. It's a Very good. Mm-hmm. Right. well we we can well, I said a child, but we certainly want I'm glad you brought up teenagers because they are still learning mercy because they're innately self centered like we all are but there's um but there's a real challenge with all the stuff that they see that they think beyond that and have mercy, and we don't as believers um build our self-righteous little walls and think that these people don't need mercy they do and engaging mercy that's very good Um, mercy sometimes disrupts your life If it were easy, everybody would do it. And showing mercy. It's not easy Well, it, because it's contrary to our natural desire to protect ourselves. So showing mercy is, is not, you're right, it's not easy. It's a challenge. And being Christ-like is, we need his strength. We need his help. We need his. Okay, we do need to pray. So let's pray, even though... As I said, this, this um, we've only studied one verse in this lesson, and yet it's just huge in its implications. And it's just a good discipline to come back to this and, um, and see other ways that it can be applied to, to our, our lives. So let's pray, and um, we'll pray... Becky right where we are and you'll close this. Okay.